0: Thank mm-hmm. you. there was a classroom and it was full of seminary students who were really, really nervous. And they were nervous because they were there for their last exam before graduation. So they were getting ready for their last exam before they could graduate and be done with graduate school. And they were nervous because just a few weeks before the professor said, There's nothing you can do to get ready. There's nothing to study. There's nothing to read, no notes. If you're ready, you're ready. If you're not, you're not. All you need to do is bring your Bible. Because after all, the class was a preaching class. So here the students are, very nervous, not knowing anything. And finally, the professor comes in. And the professor passes out blue books. If you've never had a blue book, consider yourself blessed and fortunate. Because a a blue book is nothing more than a blank notebook for you to fill with your ideas and your answers. So immediately everyone knew this is an essay test. And so when the professor passed out the blue books, the professor said, here's the deal. You have Three hours. You can use your Bible. And there's one question with three parts. If you were to give your very last sermon, if you are going to write your last message to the people, your very last sermon, what will it be? What is the text? What's your theme? And why? And you must have a very detailed outline. What is your very last message? What if you had one last throw, one last Hail Mary, one last second on the clock and the special teams runs out for one last play? Today, I've been thinking about last, because today we have two last things. Today's our last Sunday of Artifact, and today is also the last Sunday of our church calendar. And so I know you're really excited, and you already knew that, right? Yeah. And I know that you're probably thinking, wow, Marion, you're a church nerd because you're going to talk to us about the last Sunday of the church year. But yeah, you know, that's me. And yes, I know I told you about the last Sunday of the church year last year. I'm going to do it again today. And you know, I'm going to do it again next year, probably. Today is the last day of our church calendar and it's important that we know that because it's our history. It's our liturgy. It's the history of our faith. And it's important because we are a people called Chapel Roswell who claim to be a modern expression of it. So we must know it. Today is called Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the church year. And it's the same Sunday every year. The Sunday before Advent. Advent. And we begin our church year in Advent with the expectation of a baby. And we go on to live in the year to receive that child and to watch that child grow up and to begin to learn the teachings and the life lessons from that adult. And we follow the life of that adult until the death. And then we spend time in the year looking at resurrection sightings and appearances only to stand at the end and claim one thing today, that Christ is the King yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I am Alpha, I am Omega, I am the beginning, I am the end, and I am Christ the King today. And so if the situation were ever reversed, if you were here in my place, and you had an opportunity to give one last message on the last day of the year, what would it be? What would be your text? What's your theme and why? I've been, I have a lot of different options to go with for mine had a lot of different ideas and a lot of different scriptures. And so I decided to share just one today. And so here's what I share with you today. Just one option. It's from the book of Colossians. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. So that you may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things. And in all things, in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, Or in heaven. So, like our exam question, this scripture has one overarching question, one overarching charge, if you will, and three parts to it. And the overarching message is may you be made strong so that you may endure the world with joy and with patience. And the three parts God created all, God will hold it all together, and God will reconcile it back. May you be made strong, knowing that God is in all creation, holds it all, and reconciles it all. There's a great author. His name was Claude Brown. You may not know that name, but you know the name of his writing professor at university. His writing professor was Toni Morrison. And Claude Brown, on his own, made several very great contributions to the world of African-American literature. But he was interviewed one time. And in the interview, he was talking about People under the age of 40, this was several years ago, people under the age of 40, and this is what he wrote, or what he said in his interview. People under 40 have never lived in America where movie language was not liberally laced with obscenities. He said that profanity is rapidly replacing English as the language of American people. Most people don't know it, but profanity is the language of violence. He said, people say words can't hurt you, but they can. Words can dehumanize. That's why in war, the enemy is always described in language that is dehumanizing. You will never hear a military referring to the enemy as brothers and sisters or as children of God. You use language that describes the enemy as less than. And that's precisely the language that's being used in our cities today. The language today is language that has been coined in warfare. There are words that hurt, that make life cheap and ugly. Words that hurt people and words that profane what is sacred and holy about human life. You use them, and they will affect the life of those around you. In these last days, we can certainly see the impact of words. In particular, there was one student in Virginia who was bullied by them. And one day he made sure those were the last words of others. We spend a lot of time violently arguing with each other in universities. We spend a lot of time violently arguing with people at work. And we spend a lot of time violently arguing with people in church and in home. And as a result, people are dying. People are leaving and people are forgetting. I wonder, what if we had the opportunity for one last message? What difference would that make? Why not replace our words of violence with words that create? and words that unify, and words that build up, and words that weave together all these incredibly different perspectives to make something brand new that we don't know about? Why not use our words as a sense of peace and empathy and compassion and reconciliation? Why not use our words and our language in our cities and work and home and church as a time to use words to encourage the holy and the sacred. Because that's exactly what the letter writer of Colossians does. The scripture is actually called a Christ hymn. It's actually called a prayer of thanksgiving. And if it sounded familiar to you, it's because it is. It's not original language. It's not brand new language. It's language that's been taken from the Jewish wisdom literature. So in a moment, through one word, we, a Christian people, are connected to a larger community of faith. The whole letter of Colossians was written as a last message to a group of people who were arguing about budgets and projects and polity. And the letter writer says, there is much more to it than that. In fact, the letter writer insinuates that we use our words to put limits on things that we use our words somehow to create blinders and we put boundaries on a faith and we begin to look up from it and see people and things and events and situations and we begin to put them with our words into our boundaries and we begin to control them and we begin to judge them and all of a sudden we result in prejudice and hate when really... The intent of Scripture, of Christ the King, is to help us enlarge the horizon. It's to help us expand the worldview. Because we as a people of faith may not have the words. They're inadequate to express this amazing theology we have. Which is to be made strong in the faith, knowing no matter what we endure... Christ created all, holds it all, and reconciles it back. And so when we find ourselves in situations that are hard, when we find ourselves with events that do not make sense, and when we find ourselves with people that do not agree with us, we find ourselves in this emotional place, not knowing what is next, that we know that God create it all, holds it all, and reconciles it back. Somehow knowing that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that Christ is King today, helps us discover a new vocabulary tomorrow. knowing our history is incredibly important because it helps us discover a new way. And that's been the whole point of Artifact. The whole point that we have done is to take elements of our history and learn about them in new ways. And so it's in that spirit that I invite Larry Hunt to come up and join me we have a little demonstration to close out our series of artifact. And while he's here getting ready, I'll just remind you a little bit of the artifacts that we have learned about. We've spent time learning about the history of our music. We've spent time learning about the history of our stained glass windows here in chapel. We've even learned about what we do in worship and outreach and community here. And we learned about the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is incredible. And so in a sense, we've been taking things of the past. We've been taking different elements of the past and reshaping them into something new and useful and different. And so with that, I'll turn this wonderful light on so you can see a little bit more of our demonstration.
1: You know, we often think of life is good, and it is. Life is beautiful, like this beautiful Jefferson cup that I have here. But we all know, or if we don't know, we will know sooner or later, that bad things happen to good people. You know, we we get hit with this and that. We lose a friend. We have problems with our job. Maybe we even lose our job. Maybe we lose a lot of money in the market, which has certainly happened recently as you know. Money that we depended on to take care of our family, our future, our retirement, and so on. Maybe we lose a spouse through divorce or death, or maybe we ourselves get sick. With some serious disease. And pretty soon, this beautiful cup is beat up, is damaged, is no longer beautiful. It's not just the big things, though, the little things. You know, somebody hurts you with the words and they cut you. Maybe some gossip. You know, gossip could be very destructive. It hurts. Cut by cut by cut. Words hurt. Maybe we lose a friend. Maybe it's our fault, you know. Maybe we said something we shouldn't have said. Maybe you weren't as kind as we should be. How is loving? Not as understanding. cut by cut. But you know, the Lord can take this damaged life of ours and the passion of his love can melt away all those damaged hurt. And pretty soon, all you see is the silver. It's bright and shiny and all those hurts and bad things have gone away. And then, He can mold us to be more like him. In a mould, and now what have we made? He's made us in His image. We bear the image of Christ. Now it's not perfect. You can see it's only partial. So there's a lot more work he needs to do with this to trim us, shape us, and make us more like him. By the way, kids, don't do this at home. It's dangerous. Why do you think I have on safety glasses and a leather apron? Mold and metal in your pocket is not a good idea.
0: amen thank you I actually have samples of this cross that Larry just made one of them he made just with me um, about a week ago I will pass this one around during our song too that you can hold it and feel it but now join me in a moment of prayer Gracious Lord, today as we pray, there are many things in our minds, and so we ask you to take them all. And while we put them in our own words, we ask that you translate them into prayers of action and service and thanksgiving. Make us into something new. Make us into something useful, and make us into something that someone else gets to discover in them. This week, we are so grateful for the many people in our lives, those that have taken time to care for us, those that have taken time to feed us and to love us. May we return that to others. May we return a level of compassion that we have received. Be with those in hospital rooms. Be with all those in places they do not call home. May they be flooded with memory that brings them joy. May you be with those who are grieving are worried or anxious. And may they look for traces of you holding them together. And Lord, connect us all in the places of this world so that we may be the ones rejoicing every day so that when the sun rises, we are the ones to say be with us and when the sun sets we are the ones to say thank you amen